As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied out the shots. Welcome to so tell me why you mad even. Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you Sunday afternoon. Jay is in Brooklyn, and the Celtics have a 3-0 lead on the Brooklyn Nets after a Game 3 win in which Jason Tatum was just absolutely spectacular. And despite a back-and-forth first quarter, the Celtics pretty much uh, maintained the lead for the rest of the game and just had a pretty solid victory. Jay, what was your biggest takeaway from that game? You were there down in Brooklyn. Uh, that's a very vague question. My Well, first of all, I have a – I lost my voice. I don't know how. I don't know what happened. I wasn't screaming last night. I didn't, didn't go out last night. I was working until like 4 a.m. And – I just lost my voice, so I apologize to the listeners, but just know I'm being a hero. I'm powering through it. Um, we expect, expect uh, nothing, uh, nothing less, from, less the kid. from the kid. As for the biggest takeaways, the Celtics have just had a lot of answers. Like, they have kept Kevin Durant to levels that we're just not used to from Kevin Durant. Nobody's used to from Kevin Durant. Um. He has 19 made field goals and 17 turnovers in this series. Like, that's that's insane. That's They have made not just, like, arguably the best player in the game, but, like, the most complete offensive player in the game. The guy who nobody can take out of his rhythm they've taken him out of his rhythm. And so like that's, that's a takeaway. But then on top of that, it's like, they just, 
Anytime the Nets came close, they had an answer. Jason Tatum has been just phenomenal two-way through three games. Um, the defense that he's playing, he had six steals. And to do it against Durant while also carrying the Celtics offense, like he has a heavy, heavy burden and he's up to it. And then Jalen Brown, I thought, had a, a monster stretch during the fourth when the Nets were threatening to come back a little bit. Um, but yeah, the Celtics just they just they've just had all the answers so far. And and when when the game has gotten close, whether it was in game one, when they had the the crazy comeback. Game two, when they dominated the fourth quarter. Game three, when they just kind of kept doing their thing. Um, it was, they've just completely owned the moments that matter in this series against a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, which is really impressive. I think that's the biggest answer. And it feels like the the Celtics at this point, like I tweeted this last night, but it feels like they're just like kind of inevitable. Like they're going to be either get themselves back into the game as we saw in game two, or they're just going to continue to score points or stop a run like this. The Nets never like they had a, a couple of times where the Nets would go on a 7-0 run here or five, like a quick little 6-0 run. And the Celtics always had answers, um, whether that was just creating turnovers and capitalizing on turnovers or just making it extremely hard for the Nets to score. Their defense is just playing such good and physical basketball. And it's not just like switching on everything, but it's like switching smartly. I think the Nets tried a little bit more in terms of um, ball movement. And I actually thought early on in the game, in the first half, KD was playing pretty well in terms of making the right play. And that's like a reason why I think Bruce Brown had as many points as he did and we saw um other guys knock down some shots like I thought he handled it well but it's just like and KD said as much he's thinking about it too much he only had 11 field goals and we saw him last year against the Bucks basically take it upon himself to score and take a lot of shots and really like be the guy the fulcrum of the offense and I don't know what if it's just the Celtics physicality um but one, he was just not very aggressive uh, in this game, save for like a four minute stretch at the start of the fourth quarter where I thought he was actually like a little bit better at getting downhill. But on top of all that, the live ball turnovers that Durant committed, whether it was just throwing passes to no one and then kind of yelling about Kyrie afterwards, but just just some like real sloppy mistakes from Durant in particular, that I thought the Celtics did a really good job uh, capitalizing on. I think they, I don't know the exact number of kind of points off turnovers there, but they, oh, 37 points off, I think, 21 Brooklyn turnovers. That was just a, a, a huge part of that basketball game because it felt like every time the Nets had a chance to go on a run, the Celtics ratcheted up their defense um, I'm thinking Grant Williams, like stealing the the inbounds pass to get that Tatum and one to to push the lead to 12. Like there felt like the Celtics, uh, when they really needed a stop or when they needed a, to kind of create a turnover, they did a really good job of doing that. And then not only getting the turnover but converting it into points, which is something that I think they struggled with earlier in the series. Yeah, the amount of scoring they did off turnovers, like they had 37 points on 
21 Nets turnovers, which is just a monster number. And a lot of those were live ball turnovers where they just went the other way and got an easy bucket. Um, The one stretch that really stood out to me was the end of the third quarter. Nets pull within 75-72. They finally look like they've got it going. Patty Mills hits a a huge three. The crowd gets into it for one of the first times all game. And the Celtics have just a shit possession, like just an awful offensive possession. Can't do anything. Marcus Smart works his way in for an offensive rebound, puts it in, puts, puts them back up five. Then they get a stop. Marcus Smart comes up in transition like it's it's kind of a wild pull up in transition, but Robert Williams had a guard on him. So I think Smart was kind of like, okay, even if I miss this, Rob is going to clean it up. And then the next play, they get a steal. Jalen Brown goes in for a dunk and it's it's 81 72 going into the fourth. Like those are the responses that. Like the best teams have, you know, like those are the responses that come from teams that believe in themselves, that have all the the cliches you want to talk about. Um, And that's what's that's what's impressed me about the Celtics is like. This is a series that could really test you mentally, honestly, like the amount of attention you have to pay to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving but they haven't let those guys with the exception of game one for Kyrie those guys have had like let between them they've had six games in this series only one good game played out of those six uh and that was Kyrie in game one like those guys and and you can hear it in the press conferences it's like they're just kind of tipping the cap. Like, yeah, the Celtics are just better than us, basically. You know, Ky- Kyrie comes out and says whatever he said about how the Celtics have gelled. And and Durant comes out and says he's overthinking things. Like, he, he sounded like Sam Darnold when Sam Darnold was throwing picks against the pa- Patriots. It was like, I, I see ghosts, man. <laughs> Like that, that, I did not. Nobody expects Kevin Durant to get like that, but the Celtics have really, really ratcheted up the defense on him, especially. And and sometimes that means like Nick Claxton and Bruce Brown are looking like like real threats against them, but they don't care. They just kind of stick with it, and they they feel like in the end, like Brown and Claxton, if if those guys are touching the ball, then then they are good. Yeah, they'll live with any Brown or Claxton attempt from the paint. And I mean, a lot of credit to Bruce Brown. <laughs> Another huge performance, 26 points in this game. But the Celtics have remained very disciplined on defense and I just think have done a, a tremendous job. And it's like it it does feel like there's there's a lot of benefits they are they've gained and just from being like a such a good team over the last three months of the season, like they can uh, they're making the right play. They're making like the. They're trusting their teammates to make the right play and be in those positions on defense. And it's just funny for hear Kyrie talk about like you know we haven't really had an opportunity since October to gel. 
Uh, and there's just like nothing you can do to make up for that lost time. One, it's just objectively funny because Kyrie's choices made it so that team couldn't gel. But also, if you think back to the Kyrie's last year, where they like he was always talking about how no team can like no one's going to really beat this team in seven. Uh, we can just flip the switch. And it's just like, that's clearly not true. Like, clearly there is a benefit to the team kind of being able to gel and uh, kind of develop those habits. Um, and it's just bizarre. Like, I appreciate the candidness and the honesty from Katie and Kyrie after the game, but it's just bizarre to see two guys, especially of that caliber, like present themselves as so defeated. Like it just, and Kyrie did a little bit of it after game two, but after this game, it's just like, there's not a lot of, fight left in the Brooklyn Nets and I feel like that was kind of evident in the fourth quarter where they got to kind of desperation mode and they they had to they had to dust off old Blake Riven off the bench like it just doesn't seem like and this is one of the reasons I was I was pretty confident about the Celtics uh chances in this series the Nets don't have an answer for like what five guys they want to play that's going to be most effective it feels like they start out with a defensive mindset and put people like Drummond and Claxton out there. And it just, it, it hurts for them and their ability to score points. But I think we saw the Celtics punish them when they went to kind of a KD at five lineup or put out someone like Blake Griffin, where they just try to get some more spacing, more shooting out there. And then the Celtics, I just thought it did a really good job, especially down the stretch um, of punishing, punishing those mismatches, mismatches, and especially just Jalen Brown uh, abusing Blake Griffin for what seemed like uh, four or five straight possessions. Yeah, and and it's it's been like it, it feels like the Celtics have dominated the series, obviously because they're up three nothing. But honestly, like they they easily could have lost game one. They easily could have lost game two, and that that's that's another reason why the Nets being defeated is weird. You know, like they've been right there for the most part. They just haven't been able to to like make the winning plays when it matters. Um, so that's another reason why all the co- quotes from Kyrie, the the stuff from Durant makes a little more sense because he's just been not himself this series. But he's he's shook. He's like not as aggressive as you expect the person I think to be the best scorer in the league to be like, he's just to take 11 field goals in this game. I don't care how physical the Celtics like bike or being, he just didn't even take the, like he could take mid range jumpers all day. And other than like the two times he was blocked by Tatum earlier in the series, like those are generally pretty good looks for him, but he didn't, I think at the start of the game, he was like making the right pass and like finding Bruce Brown for those open cuts. But like down the stretch, he just wasn't, looking for his shot in a way that just is, is weird. It's just not how you like expect superstars of that caliber to operate in, in a clutch situation. Yeah. And the Celtics have done a really good job of taking away his three point attempts. Like they have not let him get open looks in transition or anywhere else that could really get him going. And I think that's part of the reason why Ime Udoka was so pissed that one play, I think it was in the first half, when Daniel Tice, like, it was a pick and roll, and Daniel Tice just was not up to the ball like he should have been, and Durant just kind of walked into an easy three. Um, 
and and Udoka was really really mad, and and I think that's because he knows like it doesn't take much to get Durant ignited, uh, and so that's that's part of the reason why they're trying to take away all their threes, and and like they've done a really good job of that. He's taken five threes combined over the last couple of games. Kyrie took seven in game three, but Udoka, which was hilarious, said that they they were like four shots that <laughs> that that the Celtics were cool with, like just kind of taking a shot at Kyrie's shot selection. Well, they were kind of the same shots he made in game one, and that's just like kind of what makes Kyrie insane is that he has the ability to make six or seven of those in game one. And they're like equally as ridiculous looks in game three. It's just they didn't go in this time. Yeah. And then the other part of the Celtics performance in game three against Kevin Durant is that they fouled the shit out of him in game two and didn't do that at all in in game three. The only free throws he took were after Jason Tatum like blocked him, but I guess like barely got a piece of his wrist. So like they did a great job of guarding him cleanly and he played 46 minutes i thought he looked gassed by the end of it um they're just being so physical they're they're wearing these guys down i think both physically and mentally like they they have done a great great job on those two guys especially um to keep them from get, getting going robert williams came back that's obviously a, another big big story from game three what were your thoughts on the rob experience and and are you more optimistic now uh, about you know his return and how he'll look i'm definitely more optimistic uh just about the celtics chances in his return he looked like athletically i didn't see anything that was like an issue i do think he was like a little bit lost on his first he only played two stints right he played like two yeah. Uh, one two. six minute like stint in the first half, and then like an eight minute. Yep. And so I thought like initially like I think he lost a guy in the corner. Um, so I don't like, and it makes sense. He hasn't been like locked in with his team playing. Um, like playing team defense with them. Uh, he did have that lob dunk that was called off because it was fouled on the floor, but he wasn't as um as much of a like a lob threat or like rolling to the rim as much but i just thought he played solid basketball i didn't think he had a huge impact but i thought it was just a, a very good sign for him to get out there uh and i think there's just like a trickle down effect is like al horford only had to play 28 minutes in this game tice only had to play uh 17 minutes there's just a solid like nine man rotation where the bigs had to have a little bit of stress i wasn't like amazed and wowed by what rob williams did but considering it's his first game back after surgery i thought he was solid and it's like definitely something he can build on but i don't know if it looked any different uh in the gym but other than like that one uh that one lob that didn't happen and i think he had another uh a putback but i don't i don't remember any many other rob williams highlights yeah i didn't think like obviously he, he caught the the two dunks including the one that didn't count um but to me, it was like the Celtics clearly trusted him athletically. Like they had him switching on Goran Dragic. They had him a couple times switch on Kevin Durant. They ran a set to get him an alley-oop look. And, and like, so that stuff to me 
showed more about where he is than anything else, that they trusted him to do all the stuff that he does. Um, and so, yeah. And and then the other part of it that, that I enjoyed, it's like people, I feel like Celtics players just love rooting for Robert Williams. Like, they are all huge Robert Williams fans, especially Jason Tatum, as he will tell you over and over again. Um, but like they, they were all super excited to have Robert Williams back. And, and they think that, that as well as they've defended, like he just takes them, he gives them a look that, that they can't have without him. And I think that's true. Like Tice, Tice is good. Tice is solid. Tice does his job, but Robert Williams just gives them a, a level that they can't touch when he's not available. So, yeah, I mean, for the Celtics, it's obviously exciting that that not only is he back, but it's like a it's a perfect situation for him. They they can ease him back in. They're, they're up three nothing. No team has ever come back from a three nothing deficit. The Nets definitely seem defeated. If they if they win Game Four, then he'll have you know a, a bunch of practice time before the next series. If and and so like from that standpoint, it's it's like the perfect situation for him, you know. Like like you can ease him back in, you can get him back up to speed, and and without worrying too much about the possible ramifications of playing a guy who's just coming back from surgery four weeks ago, so. I think I think all that stuff is is good for the Celtics and and obviously like having Robert Williams back is is a difference maker. I thought it was huge that they were actually like it makes it even bigger that they were able to win this game three just because the series takes on such a different dynamic of being up three over versus being uh, only up two one like game four if it's a two one series has so much more implications. And then you're right. You're probably asking a bit more from Robert Williams, asking him to make more of an impact. Uh, and I think that in this position, you know, the Celtics, I don't like, ideally they would come out and just close the series, get the sweep and then have a lot of time to work Robert Williams back. But who knows? Ben Simmons uh, could be returning. Although I wouldn't be surprised if he took the coward way out and uh, did not play in game four, but it's going to be interesting to see kind of what the Nets' response is. But yeah, I think it's like it was a good just to get Robert Williams back out there. But if the Celtics are going to be best at like, I still think they have ways to improve, uh, especially on the offensive end. Uh, and I think Robert Williams is a huge part of that. As, as soon as he can get kind of more worked back into what they're doing and be that consistent vertical spacing guy, I think it's going to be a, make a huge impact for the Celtics moving forward. I'm just trying to think of from the Nets perspective, like the adjustment is like KD is better, like just be better, shoot more shots, make more shots. But like, what else do they do? They tried like, what was your what was your thought of, of Blake Griffin last night? That kind of feels like a desperation move from Steve Nash there. See, I, I, I didn't see it quite the same way. Like the other options are Andre Drummond or Nick Claxton. You know, like it's it's not like he was replacing a Hall of Famer. Um, 
and and he gives <laughs> he gives them an offensive look that they don't have when when Claxton or or Drummond are on the court. And I think Ime Udoka said it that the Nets kind of figured, like, okay, we're not really going to stop these guys. We got to try to score with them, and and Griffin was pretty good, pretty good offensively. Like he hit two big threes. Now the other side, obviously, the Celtics just went at him. But to me, that that Steve Nat, like Brad Stevens, used to call it throwing darts, you know, <laughs> and and he would just try to find something. And like like to me, there's not like a huge difference between Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Like it, it's it's just there's not a huge difference. I think the the bigger takeaway to me is that Ime Udoka just has good options and Steve Nash like looks down his bench and he and he thinks like oh shit like what am I gonna do now you know um I thought Patty Mills being good could matter in game four uh he hadn't gotten any open looks and got a couple and knocked them down um but it's going to be really tough on the Nets if Durant and Irving keep playing the way they have. Like that's that's just going to be really, really difficult if the Celtics keep doing the job that they've done on those guys. Like the, I don't think it really matters what the supporting cast does because we just saw Bruce Brown have twenty six. We saw Claxton have a big game. We saw Patty Mills come off the bench and hit a bunch of threes. Blake Griffin came off and hit a couple threes, and the Nets still lost. You know so. In the end, like your stars have to make plays. And right now, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are, are outplaying those guys. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Perfect opportunity to go to the phones and go to our main man, Richard D. Richard, how's it going? Are you calling us from South Carolina? Doing good, doing good. I, uh, I'm laughing at myself because you remember earlier in the season I was educating you on the Bobby Kremens method and saying, it wouldn't hold up. You can't do it. But, you know, the reality is these kids, you know, like my kids this weekend, the program that, that uh, Aaron and Chris played in, they play seven games in three days, you know. These kids are just used to playing a lot more. So the reality is you look at the rosters in AAU, and if you go more than eight deep, that means you're not that really good. So these kids are – they're young. They're used to it. So what do I know? Bobby Kremens is a genius. <laughs> Hey, it's it seems to be working out for uh, for the Celtics, and with with Rob Williams getting back, they were able to go to a, a nine man rotation, uh, and I think that helped them out with it because just it makes it so there's no, like 
they've been asking a lot of Al Horford and Daniel Tice. Uh, and so just getting a little bit less work on those big men, uh, I thought was helpful for the Celtics, especially in game three. Yeah, I think they got the most momentum of anybody going into the playoffs. So I, I like what he's doing. I mean, this is incredible. Well, uh, appreciate the call, Richard, and hopefully uh, your guy Chris will be back uh, and because uh, you never want to see an injury uh, kind of take a guy like that uh, out of the series, although he does historically kill the Celtics. So a little part of me uh, is, was uh, happy they might not have to face him. Well, hopefully I'll see you guys when they match up. Okay, thanks, Richard. All right, guys, take care. Jay, do we have you back? Do you exist? I'm back. I, I don't know All what right. happened. I got I got chucked out of the live room. Well, your audio I got was DJ uh, Jazzy Jeff out of here. Was it? <laughs> it was it was a real rumbly there. So the people in the live room, luckily, were recording locally, and so you'll be able to hear Jay's uh, fantastic points that he was presumably making. But the audio, yeah, my, up. my Wi-Fi in this hotel room is sussy. Uh, it's it's Brooklyn for you, you know. Well, like, let's go to Rob S. Rob, thanks, thanks for joining us here on Anything doing? Is Potable. Doing well. How are you doing? Doing well. My question or comment, more or less, for you guys: Is there anyone you trust to make a transition three more than Peyton Pritchard right now? <laughs> on the Celtics, every fourth quarter he comes through with a big three. I mean, the guy's just a great shooter. I don't think there's any debate about that. He's shot 41% in each of his two seasons so far. Like, he's just, he's knocked down. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. If if anyone on the Celtics were to have a transition three-pointer, Peyton Pritchard's the one you want. Who do you want uh, taking a step-back three? Because he's he's shown a little bit uh, getting into his bag in the step-back game as well. Uh, Tatum. <laughs> Yeah, hey, that's fair. Jason Tatum. Maybe Jalen. Jalen's added it too, though. We should talk about Jalen Brown. I don't think we've given him enough credit for that stretch in the fourth quarter where he cooked Blake Griffin, knocked down a huge three, uh, and was just attacking Blake Griffin. Then they tried to put, I think it was Patty Mills or Seth Curry on him, and just doing what he's very gotten very good at of those like fadeaway uh, jumpers in the paint that... You know what? Some people might call them bad shots, but I think Jalen Brown has gotten good enough at them that it's like, yeah, that's exactly what the Celtics kind of needed, the scoring punch they needed, because the, the for a stretch they were they weren't getting kind of great looks offensively, and I thought they really like slowed the game down. It's like, all right, let's take advantage of the mismatch. So I thought Jalen did a heck of a job in that fourth quarter, and I think he's done a great job doing it with fourth quarter scoring uh, throughout the series. Yes. Yeah. He. He. Uh... And and for a stretch there, like they just put the ball in his hands, and he made plays happen. He he did it himself, and then he found Tatum for a big shot. And so I, I just feel like Jalen's decision making has been pretty good through this series. He he's done a, a really good job, and part of that is probably just like the Nets don't have a lot of defensive options, and. Uh, they're clearly most worried about Jason Tatum and, and rightfully so. And so if you're going to have like Durant or Nick Claxton on Tatum, then the guy on Jalen probably isn't a good defender. And, uh, <laughs> but he's taking advantage of it. 
And the Celtics have done a good job of taking advantage of it without going to just straight ISO basketball. You know, and they they've been they've been doing it intelligently, like attacking mismatches intelligently without taking away from their overall offensive flow. And I think that can be a tough balance, but but they've really done a good job of that. I think it, uh, Tatum has done a very good job of making the like attacking the mismatches, but not necessarily forcing the issue. And I think that's something the Celtics have done well. Is like you attack the mismatch and then force other guys to help. But then I'm thinking that pass to uh, Horford in the corner where he made his only shot was just like Tatum making uh, the right play. I'm thinking in the first half, Jalen Brown had a nice drive and a swinging pass uh, to Marcus Smart, who hit him with a little pump fake sidestep three. I think both those guys are doing a good job of of attacking, but still making the right play and forcing the Nets into rotation. Um, and I think the Celtics have did a good job of just punishing the Nets on defense. Right now, let's go to Tom S. here on Anything is Potable. Tom, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good to you. Doing well. How are things over there in Ireland? <laughs> Ireland, my England. Uh, oh, I, I guess that's, I, a, I, I, that's my bad. Uh, f- f- first of all, uh, 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 first of all, I'd like to uh, admit I was wrong. I came on this podcast. Uh, I think it was after the Trailblazer loss. I'm not too sure. Jay, Jay might remember my question. It was around that time, and my question was: Surely, Jay, surely this is like over now. Surely you just like play Pritchard and Neesmith loads of minutes. See actually what they <laughs> were, and then obviously uh, at the end of the season, even if we come up as a tanking team, we can go right. We've given you a fair enough chance now. You're either trash or, or we keep you there. And I was I was ready to not blow it up. I was never a trader or split the Jays up. But I was uh, just throw the towel in and just let the kids have a bit of a run around. And, yeah, you know I mean, I have a bit of fun. Uh, but, no, I can't believe what's happened. I, I can't believe it. But my question to you guys is, and I, I'm sorry if you've mentioned it, I did join a little bit late. So if you've already answered this, I do apologise. Uh, surely uh, you can't let Simmons play in game four. Sure, surely you, you've got to leave him now. Like It looks like he's getting bookings as a clown. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry, but the way he looked uh, uh, last night was horrendous. Like I looked at him and thought, what, what is wrong with him? Like What is this guy doing? Like, that is national TV and he looks that stupid. But no, surely <laughs> like, he's a confident player and, and, and we've seen that because when, when the Sixers fans got on him uh, he started to crumble, but surely, surely, if we sweep him and he plays, surely that is just like his confidence is just obliterated yet again, and he might as well not play for another year. <laughs> I love the call, Tom. Thank you uh, for joining us from England. I'm sorry about that. That was my mistake. Love it. Love our international listeners. Uh, Jay, what do you think about Ben Simmons possibly playing in game four? Well, first, first, what do you think about his outfit in game three? The as as someone who doesn't exactly have the best fashion sense, uh, I am in no place to tear him down over what he wears to a basketball game. That said, <laughs> that said, sunglasses inside, <laughs> color tinted sunglasses inside. Nonetheless, it looked like he googled like. 
cool pimp stuff to wear. And it just was like, oh, more colors, the better. It was it was absolutely ridiculous to sit, for also to him sit on the bench where the, the rest of his teammates were in like all black uniforms. And he just really stuck out. Wild stuff. Yeah. I thought the best, the best tweet of the night I saw is uh, someone tweeted, Ben Simmons could be the first guy to get knocked out of the playoffs in two consecutive games if he comes back in game four. Uh, it would just be absolutely like wild if he plays. Um, I, I, I get like they. This is what the the it feels like. Clutch has been pushing for to show that he can do something. And then you like every press conference with Steve Nash is like, yeah, I just don't expect him. I guess he's playing three on three. That's good. Um, I welcome his presence. I think it would make things more interesting. I don't think it really changes much or the dynamics of the series, but uh, it'd be good entertainment. Yeah, I I think like at, at this point, down three nothing. He's been dealing with back stuff. He's been out for a year. I'm not sure what the point of bringing him back would be. Like the even Kyrie and and Durant sound pretty convinced like their season is ending soon. So come back, try it again next year incorporate him over training camp i wouldn't throw him in game four there there's no way i would throw him in game four just because what's the point and like the downside is much higher than the upside which is like he plays 15 minutes and looks pretty good you know yeah that's that's fair from a basketball perspective i'm from purely an entertainment perspective i want to see what ben simmons has um and that's just because the Celtics are up 3-0, and I'm supremely confident in the series. All right. Ed W. joining us here on Anything is Potable. Ed, how it is going? Eddie. Getting nothing from Ed. We'll try again. Oh, oh we got Ed. Got you back. He forgot oh, the can... unmute button. Ja, how's it going? What's good, y'all? Uh, you know, first time, long time. Got a quick question for y'all regarding, you know, Tice's play as a late. Honestly, I feel the dude hasn't been bad. He's been giving us some good minutes, some good points. Hasn't been getting cooked too bad on the defensive end. And with Rob coming back and him, you know, slowly working himself in, I think there could be a place for Tice to, to keep some minutes, even throughout the rest of the, 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 the next couple of rounds. Would love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah. I think uh, Tice's role could be determined by how much size the Celtics feel they need against the Bucks, assuming that they get by the Nets and play the Bucks, Because um, obviously – when Robert Williams gets right and Robert Williams is allowed to play his regular minutes load, Robert Williams and Al Horford are going to be the two main bigs for the Celtics. And if you want to go two bigs a lot, then Tice, Tice can do that. Tice can play alongside Al Horford. But I, I just feel like there won't be much of a place for him, honestly. Uh, I think... You know, Grant Williams can play the four. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to play a ton of minutes in that series. And as big as you want to stay against Giannis, the Celtics can probably stay pretty big without having 
you know, Tice on the floor and in a, he's he's a little limited offensively. Um, so yeah, he, he's done his job though. He the man has done his job. He played well enough to help them win two games in Boston. He played well enough to help them win game three. He allowed them to survive the Robert Williams injury without any blemishes on their record. So no matter what happens from here, Tice stepped in and did his job. And they'll have to pay him later. That could pose some issues financially. They've they've already said that they're not willing to do that in the past, but maybe maybe them being a contender now uh, changes that. Yeah, I, I think from from what I can gather, I think their stance on the luxury tax is going to change. Everyone's everyone should be very pissed off because this is obviously a title contender, and they should do whatever it takes to add to that. Yeah, I think Tice is now just like be turned into a luxury. I think that I'd be surprised if they they used a lot of like I think they're obviously when when Grant Williams, I mean when Robert Williams is back, they're going to start with that two big lineup. Uh, but I thought it was notable that they like they finished. Grant played thirty three minutes in this game. He played all of the fourth quarter. They finished with Grant. Uh, it's not exactly a smaller lineup, but it's definitely like a. a kind of a hybrid lineup where they grant gives you some shooting, uh, but still gives you that size. I think at this point in a series against potentially Giannis uh, or potentially Embiid going forward, just having Tice out there as a luxury in, in case bigs get in foul trouble, I think is, is super helpful for the Celtics depth at this point. And I think the depth is really one of the reasons why the, the Celtics should be able to have a lot of confidence moving forward is because as soon as Robert Williams, I guess, gets reinserted back into the starting lineup, after that, you have four guys who you're very confident in in putting them and playing them big minutes in a playoff series. And I think it's another reason why Peyton Pritchard just playing the way he has over these past two games has been huge for them, just because I think Ime already had the kind of confidence in him clearly to play him. But it's like you put him in, you're confident he's going to make the right decisions and make uh just be solid on the defensive end. Uh, and I think you think about that with all four guys off the bench. And so I think Tice has done his job, but now kind of just turns into uh, a luxury person uh, for them to have in, in case of foul trouble moving forward. I wouldn't like if Robert Williams can start and play the entire game, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Tice gets zero minutes. Uh, uh, but you know, that's a, that's one of them. It's one of them good problems. All right. Ed, are you starting to, to think, you- are you starting to think yet about what the Celtics will do against Giannis. Build a can they make wall. him can they make him see ghosts like Kevin Durant? Well that's the thing about Giannis is going to keep coming and keep attacking the basket. Whereas like Durant, it feels like he settles a lot for he is just not attacking the rim in a way that I think Giannis will always attack the rim. And I think the Celtics are going to do a lot of doubling and really trying to force other guys to make shots, uh, and it's going to be like a force Wes Matthews, force Grayson Allen, uh, Pat Connaughton to really make plays. And I think the Middleton injury is huge because one, he's a demon, he's a Celtics killer, but two, just the he's sort of an everyone killer. 
He's in everyone. Yes, he is an all-star level basketball player. He is a damn good basketball player, but he does have success against the Celtics in the playoffs. And I know it's a different team, but he is just a guy who can create his own shot off the dribble, a guy who just, if you show a lot of attention, uh, you really can't help off of him. I just think like the Bucks offense potentially kind of just so much more one dimensional without, um, without Middleton out there. And so it's going to be interesting to see what the Celtics do, but I mean, you know, like Al Horford, I think that's the other thing they're going to use, just throw a bunch of different bodies at Giannis and Giannis is going to keep coming. Uh, and it's going to, I think it's like the physicality and the size of the Celtics is going to be extremely helpful uh, for them in a potential bucks matchup, but who knows they're playing, they're playing the bulls today. Maybe the bulls make it feisty. Uh, I said that and immediately has like the bulls have no chance of winning this series, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Uh, we've been making uh, Ed wait for, for far too long. Ed, Hopefully, you're figured out the mute button in our back. How's it going? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm curious. You know, this turnaround seems like it's the perfect blend of what you know, Brad's vision is and what he's good at and also what Ime has done. Have you guys gotten a sense of what that dynamic is behind the scenes? Like, is I could totally see Brad be really hands-off and just let Ime do his thing, but I could also see him nerding out and, and talking schemes with with email you know on a almost a day-to-day basis do, do you have any sense of that i'm honestly not entirely sure i know brad's plan when he got the job was to be hands-off and to just give the coach space he didn't want the last thing he wanted was to f- have the coach feel like he was hovering because it's a weird dynamic with the coach from last year being the boss as the president of basketball operations. Uh, So that was his plan. Uh, I know that Udoka has, has asked him stuff, talked to him about stuff, but I think Brad, though I can't see Brad ever going to email and telling him, this is what we should do. This is who you should play. Anything hey man, like, like that. that's a shitty ATO you ran out of this play. Like Brad would never be like directly criticize uh, anything like that. You would hope that Ime would be like, hey, this guy has coached the Celtics for eight years and might know some stuff and would go to him with questions. But uh, I would Brad just seems so far like just not looking to kind of overstep the bounds of that. And uh, I'd be shocked if like they were like talking about like strategy game, like in between each game. Like that just isn't the role of the GM. God damn it, Ime. It's time to play <laughs> Sam Hauser. <laughs> I brought in Malik Fitz for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know Luke Cornette is a motherfucking problem? <laughs> Swearing Brad is a, uh, the best type of Brad. All right, John O. Come on down. You're the next contestant on Anything is Potable. How's it going, John? Hey, um... Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Awesome. So I don't want to be the stereotypical um, concerned Celtics fan. However, yeah, you do. Yeah, you are. Go for it. Go off. Go off. So when I was watching the game, I was very pleased with the game, but I was concerned with the Brooklyn Nets having a below-average defense, where meaning they only had one good defender in Kevin Durant and four bad defenders. The Celtics really never were able to like. 
blow blow open the game. It seems like they always got to 12 and they went back to three throughout the three quarters. And I'm concerned about like, not concerned, but like curious what's going to happen when they face better defenses in the Milwaukee Bucks and or potentially the Miami Heat if they beat them. So my question is like, what, you, what are some things that you think the Celtics can do better on the offensive side of the ball when they face against better defenses? It's a good question. I don't have an immediate answer. Jay, I defer to you. Uh, I think just being – making sure they get good looks all the time. Uh, there have been lulls in their offense. There have been – times where I feel like they've let the nets off the hook a little bit. Um, but there, there were times, especially in the first half of game two, when I thought they were too urgent to score and kind of fell back into old habits where they weren't really working the ball. Um, but I think for the most part, like when – when the Celtics have needed to execute, they've done a pretty good job of it. And the the fourth quarter of game two stands out. They're down five. They score five straight possessions. And they do it by playing smart basketball and utilizing their advantages. The I think Robert Williams will make things easier on their offense. I think uh that his his energy the the way he runs into screens the way he moves the ball quickly the offensive rebounding that he provides will will all change the Celtics and yeah I I, I they haven't played like super crisp offense yet but it's a playoff you're not going to get super crisp offense even against a bad defense they're doing everything they can to muck it up. They they know the scouting report perfectly. They're a veteran team. The Nets are, and to think everything's going to come easy is is misguided. But but I I haven't found too too much to complain about regarding the Celtics offense, with the exception of I thought that that first half in Game Two was was pretty pretty bleak. Yeah, and if we're going to nitpick, like I think once they got up 12 in the fourth quarter, they took a, a like a number of threes where they didn't necessarily have to, but like it was they were all open, so if like yeah, if we're really getting they into stopped, nitpicking. They stopped trying lines, to add to the lead and we're just trying to get to the finish line it felt like. Yeah, and so Jalen missed a three, Marcus missed I think two threes on the same possession. Um and like then you had Patty Mills hit a couple threes in a row and make it close, but that's if we're really nitpicking, but uh, I agree. Like they still haven't been great offensively. I think the return of Robert Williams will do that just because we saw it on that one play where Tatum was able to drive and just like you, you make, you give a little bit of hesitation to the big from not wanting to help off Rob. And I think it's just going to open things up for Tatum. Um, so I think there's a, a reason for their uh, offense to get that much better. All right. Yeah, and, and, and you could see on that play, just how much gravity Robert Williams has because he was able to catch the lob, but also Kevin Durant on that play was totally leaving Grant Williams in the corner. If Jason Tatum had wanted to throw the ball to Grant Williams, he would have been open for a three, 
but he didn't have to because Rob can just dunk over pretty good help defense anyway. So that was the Rob, Rob changes things. And if we look at the numbers, the Celtics have scored 118.6 points per 100 possessions during the first three games of the playoff. That's a huge number. And even against the Nets, that that is a big number. The defensive rating isn't what the Celtics normally have, but they've done a good job taking away what they want, and which I think is the important lesson. So, yeah. And the, the, the other piece is, like, I think, like, Derek, Derek White, his shooting, I think, could be an issue down the line. Like, it's not going to be against a real big one against the Nets. But if he doesn't start shooting a little better, like, that that could hurt the Celtics. Against a Bucks team that just begs you to shoot threes, it's going to be such a huge issue in that potential series is just being able to knock down open shots. Yeah, will he and Marcus be able to knock down open shots and Al Horford, you know? Yeah, and we've seen Horford knock down a lot of uh, threes and play uh, huge basketball for the Celtics here. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. But what? Still have one more game to go. Can't count chickens too much. Um, we've been going for about an hour now. Let's finish off the show with our final caller of the day. Joshua B, come on down. What What is this drivel that I'm listening to about the Celtics <laughs> needing to be like better than they were? I remember us doing a lead, like making like one lead change, two or three lead changes throughout the entire game. We were facing a Jalen Brown. We were facing a Blake Griffin with Jalen Brown. Oh, that wasn't enough for you. Do you want Patty Mills to face Jalen Brown? Oh no, that's not good enough for you. Like, what, what, what is it? Goran Dragic? Is that who we need to face up with Jalen Brown for these people to have some confidence? My God, we are up three to zero in order, and like we're about to close this down. We're about to sweep. The only thing you haven't seen from the Celtics, all of you fans. The only thing you haven't seen from the Celtics is them putting their foot down on a person's throat to close out a series. Here's the good news. You get to find out if they get to do that literally tomorrow night. Literally tomorrow night, that's when you get the opportunity to discover whether or not the Celtics can close down a series, can close down an opponent when they're writhing and failing. Everything else, everything else that you could possibly want to see from this Celtics team to determine whether or not they're a championship contender, they've shown you. What do you need? Do you need good defense? Do you need us to play big? Do you need us to play small? Do you need us to square up? Like, who does Jalen Brown have to square up? Literally. What is it going to take to give Celtics fans some kind of confidence that we can face a Chris middleton list Bucks in the second round and maybe have the advantage? What, what is this? Why is there so much worry? I'm genuinely asking. Why is there so much concern? Thank you for taking my call. <laughs> Appreciate that, Joshua. Be short, tight, and concise, and I think uh, ve- raised valid points uh, all around. Uh, no reason to be that concerned about the Celtics, considering they have been very good in their first three games. They have been great. They're, these are not complaints. These are pointing out things that have gone well. Hey, look, if pointing you're going to be a part of a, a growth mindset, part of an incremental progress kaizen uh lifestyle there's always room to improve you can't rest on your laurels you need to be continuously getting better every single day you know what the celtics lost the fourth quarter 28 to 31 and that's just you know what you got to go back to the drawing board and you got to do something better there 
And so if the Celtics are going to get better every single day, and if they are going to reach the mountaintop, we got to acknowledge the failures of process, even when the results are there. You get, you can't be Kaizen just in the losing moments. You got to be Kaizen in the winning moments too. There you go. <laughs> there you go. The final thing today in the press conference is Grant Williams said that on the team plane, big Uno games going on uh, between the Celtics. Jay, is the game of Uno potable? I actually have a take about that. Okay, I won't scream at you then. This is the first crack in the Celtics armor. They, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a nerd move. Yeah, e is not going to like that. It's led by Grant Williams. He's the biggest nerd on the team. E is not going to like that. E is going to give each guy $5,000 and go, you get back there and you play Boo-Ray like a man. Yeah, exactly. You can't have can't have just just free Uno games. What what kind of what kind of maniac plays plays Uno for free? You got to have some stakes bet, on. It. What kind of maniac bets on Uno? I'm raising my hand. <laughs> you've you've put money on Uno games? I've put money on Almost whatever you can put money on. <laughs> but Uno, Uno is uh, among that. You just got to. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm going to ask, is is pl placing money on a children's card game potable? Yes. Yes, it is. You're right. Anything is potable. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.